Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's good to be among the people who love God. It's good to be amongst the people who wish to praise and worship God. It's good to be amongst the people who are hungry to hear from the word of God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Joshua. Yes, uh, indeed, September is a very special month uh, for us, but also an addition to the month of September. That other week on Friday, we became grandpa and grandma with my wife. <laughs> right, this is the first weekend, the first Sunday of the month of October. I used to have a senior elder uh, at Cornerstone Church back in Pretoria each and every first weekend of the month he would say, yeah, that is <laughs> Now, I, I posted this on, on Facebook and one young man says, but why were you wearing gloves? <laughs> Was it an in thing? <laughs> Why did I love the tree? What was that? Okay. <laughs> so, um, this uh, elder professor, Ogun Banjo, used to say um, the first Sunday of each and every month, he says, as much as God has been with us the previous months, God will be with us. In other words, the God of October is still the God of September. He's still the God of August. He's still the God of July. As much as he has been with us, he will continue to be with us this month. Right, I think um, People's Church News have already announced the theme for this month, which is divine reposition or divine repositioning, a transformational imperative and they have uh, read from first samuel chapter 2 verse 8 now this sub theme i believe ties nightly or neatly into the theme of our year now this roll up each and every sunday when we come in it reminds us the theme for our year the theme of our year is another dimension or another level. Moses and the children of Israel are at the foot of the mountain of Sinai, the foot of the mountain of Horeb. And God says to them, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to break camp. In other words, God wants to do something about you. But God is not going to do that thing in this particular position. It's time for you to be repositioned. It's time for you to take a different posture altogether. I believe as an individual and maybe collectively as the church, there is something new God wants to do in our midst. But God is saying, as we will be preaching throughout this month, 
God wants to change your position. It might be a mindset. That your mindset as it is. It is not possible for God to bless you. It is not possible for God to move you to another dimension with that mindset. Maybe it is spirituality. God wants you to move to another dimension. God wants to reposition you. Maybe it's some behavior. Maybe it is some lifestyle. God wants to bless you. But as long as you are holding to that lifestyle, God will not bless you. It's time for divine reposition. Maybe it's some confessions, some declarations, maybe some decrees. You know, sometimes we make certain pronouncements. We make certain declarations. We are caught up, we are involved in some talks which do not define who we are. And we hear God saying, stop those confessions. Stop those declarations for God wants to do something new in your life. It's time for divine reposition. Now we say it is transformational imperatives. What does it mean? It means for God to bring transformation in your life, in our lives, we ought to change our position. We need to change our posture. Now, there are many scriptures. There are many scriptures which are illustrative to what we are talking about. And I'm going to refer to only one scripture which I would wish to call an illustrative text. An illustrative text is when you make a, pronoun a, a, a pronouncement, when you make a statement and say, divine repositioning, who are those people in scripture whom God said, as long as you are in this position, you will not receive anything from me. But if you change your posture, if you change your position, God is going to do something fresh. God is going to do something new. We read in Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. I'm not going to read these verses, but I'm going to refer to them. The, the verse that I want us to underline, to highlight is verse 8. But we will come to that. To understand what verse 8 says. Verse, verses 5, 1 to 5 are giving us the backdrop or the background of what we are talking about. And I'm saying, before there is change of posture. We should understand Jesus' divine identity. 
So verse 1 to verse 5 clearly explains that to this person who is unnamed in this text, whose posture, whose position was changed. Now, verse 1 to verse 5, it's about who Jesus is. It is about Jesus' identity. In other words, we are saying, for us to accept from God, for us to have a posture, a position, we ought to understand who Jesus is. We ought to understand his identity. Now, in these five verses, Jesus and his disciples are going through the grain fields and they pluck their heads of grain and they rub them against their hands and they eat and the day was a Sabbath. So the Pharisees are coming on them and say to Jesus, your disciples are violating the rules, the laws of the Sabbath. Because according to the Jewish rules and laws of the Sabbath, you're not supposed to eat. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus says to them, you don't understand the Sabbath. Now, the Jewish people, they had many laws. Those which were written and those which were traditional. Those which were oral. Around the Sabbath only, they had more than 1,000 oral laws. So they were challenged by Jesus. Jesus says, have you read? Have you not read what David did? On the Sabbath with his men. They were fugitives. They were fleeing from Saul. And on the Sabbath, they went into the shrine, into the holy place, and took the holy bread and ate. Have you not read? That statement is loaded. You are ignorant of scripture. Your interpretation of scripture is inaccurate. It's not correct. Haven't you read what David did on the Sabbath? Now, the Jewish people, myself and Pastor Joshua, are still studying Hebrew. We are still struggling along. And you hear, even today, the Jewish people don't understand the Sabbath. Early in 1992, some tenants phoned the Jewish rabbi and they were asking because three apartments where they were staying caught fire and they phoned the Jewish rabbi and they say is it proper for us to phone the fire people to come and extinguish the fire now the Jewish teacher the Jewish rabbi answered after 30 minutes and by then the three apartments were gutted down they did not they do not understand 
the rules and the laws of the Sabbath. And I think Jesus' final answer to the Pharisees about the Sabbath. In verse 5, this is the short answer that Jesus gives the Pharisees about the Sabbath, which I believe gives his identity. He says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, the one you are looking at is the one who instituted the Sabbath. Now, the expression, Son of Man, we can take six months to develop a sermon series on Jesus as Son of Man. Jesus has Christological titles. Son of God, the Son, Son of Man. Now, the expression, the title of Jesus as Son of Man is very much loaded. No, it doesn't start in the New Testament. In the New Testament alone, we have 92 expressions where Jesus is referred to as Son of Man. Now, he uses in the New Testament 86 times where he refers to himself as I am the Son of Man. In the Old Testament, Son of Man, the title of Jesus. Now, why do you say the title of Jesus in the Old Testament? Jesus is there in the Old Testament. Even if he is not identified as Jesus, but he is there in the Old Testament. You remember in Daniel chapter 3, the three Hebrew young men who refused to bow to the image that was constructed by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, those who do not bow, they will be thrown into a fiery furnace. And these three Hebrew young boys refused to bow. And the fire was even heated seven times. And they were hurled into this fire. Nebuchadnezzar, after a while, went in to witness the ashes of the three Hebrew young men who would have been gutted, who have been burned by fire. But to his amazement, he said, haven't we thrown three people into the fire? How come that they are, I see four people into the fire. They are no longer bound, but they are loosed. And Nebuchadnezzar says, the fourth man is like the son of man. 
Now he is wrong. The fourth man in the fire. He is not the fourth man. But he is the first man into the fire. Why? Because uh, even before they thought uh, of throwing them into the fire. My God. Uh, the first man uh, was already in the fire. He was waiting for them. Uh, he is the son of man. The son of man. He is Lord of the Sabbath. But he's not only the Lord of Sabbath. He's the Lord of each and every situation that we find ourselves in. Whatever situation that we find ourselves, the Son of Man is Lord over that. What are you facing today? Somebody shout the name of the Lord. Jesus is Lord over your situation. He's the Son of Man. They have the identity of Jesus. He's the Lord of everything. This is the one we serve. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, let's come closer home. In the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, in the synagogue, from verse 6, there's a man who is unnamed. Luke tells us about this man. We don't know his name. But he's the one who receives the attention of Jesus. Now, there are many people in the, in the synagogue. Different ranks, different titles. But we're not told about those people. But we are told, according to Luke chapter 6, verse 6. There's only one person. Who receives the attention of Jesus. Now this says to us. It doesn't matter. Even if you are part of the crowd. Even if you are part of a million. You are special before him. Your needs are special before him. Even if we are seated this morning and you don't know the person seated next to you and you don't know what they are going through, we are here to say this person is special before God. And God knows what they are going through. And look, talks about this man. He is singled out. In verse 6, we read that he has a problem. Different translations. New King James Version, his right hand was withered. Good news translation, paralyzed right hand. New Living Translation, deformed right hand. Message Bible, his hand is crippled. In the new international version, his hand is shriveled. Now, obviously, this is a, a physical condition. Everybody knows this man. Everybody sees this man. That his right hand, he cannot use it. 
His right hand is shriveled. The potential is there. But unfortunately, he cannot use his right hand. Now, the expression right hand is not only physical. And also in scripture, it's not only physical. We don't have time to read all the scriptures. Exodus 15 verse 6, Psalm 118 verse 16, Ephesians 1 verse 20. But the expression, right hand, even if it is physical here in this text, but it is metaphorical. Now, in the South African sense, when Brother Eugene has a company and he says, so-and-so is my right-hand man, he means he is second in charge. He's second in command. But in the Middle Eastern sense, it's a different concept altogether. When they say, in the Arabic world, in the Jewish world, when they say, right hand, they actually refer to equality. When you are seated at the right hand of so-and-so, or when you say so-and-so is at my right hand, it's not subordination, but it is equality. Now, when you read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, Paul says, He made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. I like verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now Paul says to the Ephesians, when God raised Jesus from the grave, from the dead. Paul says we were also raised up together with him. And he says we are seated together with him in the heavenly realm. Somebody give me a chair. Now, when when you're fighting and you are involved in serious con conflict and when you conquer, you are seated. In other words, victory is attained. You have conquered Jesus. When he was raised, I say it seems I can preach sitting. It feels nice, eh, Eugene? It feels nice. Now, 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 God raised him. 
The theologians are telling us. Was he raised or did he rise by himself? We don't care. The fact of the matter is he is alive. Jesus is alive. He is seated. Now, another chair. T-shirt to come here. Now, now, Jesus, God raised him from the dead and he is seated on the right hand of the Father. Now, Dishetu is seated together with me. Now what Paul says is, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he seated him. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, but he is not alone. We were raised. Jesus is the head of the church. And the church is the body of Christ. When Dadana Matebula, you were asleep last night, I assume. Eh? You, were, you worked very hard, yeah? but you were asleep last night. At least you slept last night. Now, when he took his head from the pillow, the body did not remain in the bed. The body followed the head. Therefore, when Jesus was raised from the dead, the body also was raised together with Jesus. And we are seated together with him in the heavenly realms. Stop saying we are fighting the devil. We are not fighting the devil. We are enforcing the victory that God had for us on the cross. You may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Our right hand means power, means authority. Now, this man, his right hand was there, but it was shriveled. He, he had the ability to use his right hand, but he could not. It was shriveled. It was crippled. It was deformed. It was without. It is physical, but there are people who are like that. They have potential. They can do exploits, but their right hand is shriveled. Jesus says in verse 8, get up and stand in front of everyone. Each one. Get out and come and stand in front of everyone. Now to me this is significant. As long as you are in the crowd, you are lost in controversies. You are lost in unbelief of the Pharisees. Who are saying, can he do that? Can he not do do that, uh, Jesus, even if it was physical. But I want to metaphorically say, God wants to reposition you. 
God wants to pronounce a blessing. God wants to pronounce exploits in your life. But you are in the wrong position. You are amongst them. Get out of the people who do not believe that there is nothing impossible with God. Do not surround yourselves with people who are questioning whether this is possible. That is possible. Jesus says, get out of unbelief. My God, I want to surround myself with people who pronounce faith, who are saying, greater is he who's in us than the one who's in the world. I want to surround myself with people who will help and assist me to live for God get out divine reposition God wants to do stuff in my life and your life and God wants to divinely reposition us now Jesus says to the man stretch forth your right hand Nobody has ever told him in his life. Maybe he was born with us, that condition. But nobody has ever told him. You must stretch forth your right hand. Praise God. He, I believe at that time, had a divine revelation of who Jesus is. The one who says, stretch forth your right hand, is the one who says, let there be light. And there was light. He's the one who, now this man, he believed what Jesus said. Maybe there were eyewitnesses. He heard about those men who was in the pool of Bethsaida, who was sick for 38 years. And we know the Jewish people believed once in a year there was an angel who would stir the water. The one who came in first was healed, but greater than the pool was there that day. Jesus was there. He got a revelation an identity of who Jesus is. And he stretched forth his right hand. Praise the name of the Lord. The right hand was restored. I want to believe God is still in the business today of repositioning people. Abraham. Abraham in Genesis 12 from verse 1 to verse 3. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. As long as you are in the air of the Chaldeans, you will never fulfill God's promises. God wants to reposition you. God wants to take you to a place. And verse 2 says, I will make you a great nation. It will not happen as long as you are there. But get out of your people. Joseph needed to be used by God. We read in Genesis 45 verse 5. Do not be angry with yourself. He says to his brothers, God sent me before you to preserve life. In other words, God has brought me here. God has positioned me here to be the prime minister in order for me to save lives. The four lepers in 2 Kings chapter 7 verse 3 and 8. They say to each other, now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we seated here until we die? Why are we seated? As long as we are in this position, as long as we are in this place, nothing is going to happen. 
and they convinced each other. They moved. Verse 5. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Somebody shout the name of the Lord. As long as they were there, as long as they were in that position, there is no miracle. Verse 6. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses. The noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. The gist of the message time is against this. The gist of the message today is that God wants to do something in your life. But God wants to divinely reposition you. As long as you are in that position, you will not receive from the Lord. Let's stand up on our feet. The worship team will come and we are going to